hey, everybody, and welcome back to Qualified, the place where incredible people share their stories of overcoming great adversity and loss to inspire you and give you hope. I'm Michelle Heaton. Well, if you're listening today, you've most likely experienced some form of loss in your life. Losing something or someone that we value and cherish in this life is so difficult. Losses can radically disrupt our lives and leave an indelible mark on our hearts. But losses can also teach us and change us and make us stronger if we focus on the lessons that emerge from our pain. My guest today has experienced multiple losses, and he has an interesting story of how his life changed as a result. He's now an accomplished author blogger, podcaster, and full-time pastor in the Jacksonville area of Florida. His name is Robert Bass, and it's my great honor to have him on the show today. Welcome to Qualified, Robert. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Well, Robert, like I said, you have an interesting story of how your life got to the place it is now, but it wasn't an easy road for you and for the people that watch you struggle, namely your parents. And I think there may be parents listening today that are in that place, where they're forced to watch a child make bad decisions that could be impacting the rest of their lives. So it's my hope that your story will serve as an inspiration to many today. So let's get into it. You shared a lot of the details of these life events in one of your books called Past to Purpose which, by the way, was great and very encouraging for me. And in it, you talk about how after high school, you decided to attend a technical trade school to become an auto mechanic versus going to a big university on a tennis scholarship. What was your motivation for this change in career plans? And also, how did your parents react to it? Yeah, that's a big shift, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> So the the moment happened, I was a 17-year-old teenager playing in a big tennis tournament, and in a moment of frustration, I was losing and wasn't doing well. You know, it happens as an athlete. But in that moment of frustration, I got very upset, and I asked my coach at the time, after losing, I said, is this what the pro life is going to be like? Mm-hmm. And because I had a decision, I had a scholarship full paid ride to a big university. And I was really weighing the decision though, because it's tough. It is tough as an athlete. And so I asked him, is this what it's going to be like? And he's like, even worse. <laughs> he's, he's like, you're going to have to work really hard to be successful. And at that moment, I realized I wasn't having fun anymore. I did not enjoy what I was doing. And so in that moment of frustration and, and losing I decided to quit. I turned down the scholarship. And as you can imagine, my parents were just floored, shocked. They could not believe that I had made that decision. And so my parents set me down and they actually told me, they're like, hey, look, if you're going to turn down this opportunity, we're actually not going to help you with college. Okay, so you pretty much had it made with a talent for tennis that was going to pay your way through school and you were going to walk away from it all. I can see why your parents would think that was a bad decision, but I get it that you weren't happy. So did you have a plan B? 
uh, I had worked at a car dealership washing cars as a part-time <laughs> job while I was going to school. And so I said, you know what? I'll just learn to fix cars. It was an easy way to start making money. And so off I went to Houston, Texas <laughs> to learn more about fixing cars. Okay. So right after your graduation, it's 2005, you moved all your belongings into your grandmother's house in Mississippi where you were going to live for a while. And then within a matter of days, Hurricane Katrina strikes and you lose everything. Thankfully, you and your family emerged safe and sound, but you said the storm had a great impact on you. Can you talk about how the devastation of Katrina made you see things in a new way? Yeah, absolutely. I can't even believe this story when I tell it. But I, I finished this trade school and I I had a plan for my life. I thought I knew what I was going to do and what was going to happen. But we moved back home to Mississippi to my grandma's house and Katrina hit. And luckily, my immediate family was safe, but my grandma's house did flood and I lost everything that I had. And so I go from college and life changed again. And, and begin to turn directions. And so when Katrina hit, I was living in South Mississippi and so many people, like you mentioned, lost everything. And so we go from, you know, living, I guess, a normal life to now having to do it all over again. And so we, we had to just survive. Like that is the best way that I can explain it. It went from being normal to survival mode and so without power, your life completely changes. Uh, we didn't have sewer for months because of the devastation and the damage. And so imagine no power, no sewer, and, and your your life just turns upside down in a moment. And so you have food for a while, but who has food for months? And And so especially when things are destroyed and you're learning to rebuild, you're trying to figure out what to do. And, and it's not like it's just you. It was everyone. Like the entire cities were destroyed. The entire coast was destroyed. I mean, it's so many people that you don't really have anybody to lean on, but your immediate family and people that you're close to. I mean, I remember other people's houses being in our yard cars that floated down the road. I mean, it, it's shocking to even talk about the devastation and, and to get a true picture of it. And so you really do turn into survival mode. And what that means is people begin to protect themselves. They, they think about what do I need to do? How do I protect my family? I mean, it was like a war zone, really. I mean, people are stealing from houses to survive after weeks of, you know, you start running out of food. The military comes in and the government comes in to help, but it is very, it's very harsh. You know, right. it's supportive, but very harsh. And you only get a certain amount of water. You only get a certain amount of, you know, your MRE, your meals that taste horrible, but it's better than nothing. Yeah. As you're describing that environment, it's so hard to even imagine never having experienced anything like that personally. And, you know, we're so accustomed to having everything we need within arm's reach or just down the road at the market. But you had no running water, no electricity, no sewer, no clothing. All that was lost. And you had to rely on the government agencies for your drinking water and food, while at the same time having to have your guard up against people that might try and steal from you. I mean, that's certainly traumatizing. 
So the next chapter in your life comes when you landed a really good job at a Mercedes-Benz dealership. And you said they paid you very well. So at this point in your life, you're not struggling. You're making a great deal of money, and you spent some of it now on a new toy, a motorcycle. Tell us about that time in your life, how you were living then, and then the event that happened next. Yep. So after helping my family for months, rebuilding friends, I got a job in Jacksonville, Florida, working for Mercedes-Benz. And so I go from having handing out water, having nothing, to having a job and an apartment and, and more money than I even imagined. And so going from nothing to a lot <laughs> takes a very disciplined person to not just spend a lot of money. And I wasn't quite disciplined like I needed to be at, as a young, you know, 20-year-old. Right. And so started buying things. One of those was a motorcycle and began to, you know, ride a motorcycle. Didn't tell my parents I had a motorcycle at the time. And so uh, just began to to ride this motorcycle because I had just extra. I mean, it, I go from having nothing poverty level yeah. to just having an abundance. And, but as you can imagine, going from nothing to having a lot, it it, it, it is hard. Yeah. It, it's that. hard to have that discipline. And so yeah, I had a I had a motorcycle and was driving around and unfortunately being a young guy, even though I took classes, ended up getting into a motorcycle accident and had to learn to walk again. You know, there was gravel on the road. Nothing that I did really that caused the accident, but hit that gravel. My motorcycle just went flying out from under me. And you didn't tell your parents you were getting a bike because you knew they'd be worried about your safety. And then you had this terrible accident. You severely damaged your knee to the point where you would need months of physical therapy to even walk again. And you called on your mom and dad because you knew they'd come through for you, and they did. But what happened after you were healed and back on your feet? After I recovered, and, and again, I'm just so thankful I had my family there to help me recover, mm -hmm. take me to physical therapy. But after I recovered and learned to walk again through that season, I thought I was invincible. I didn't think that nothing else could hurt me now. I had been through Hurricane Katrina, learned to walk again. I mean, I thought I had it figured out. I really did. And so I moved to Destin, Florida for a higher paying position at Mercedes, and which just brought more money and more opportunities and you know, when you when you have money, it's easier to be popular. And so I had a lot of friends, had a lot of stuff. And Destin had a big motorcycle community, big racing community. And so I would hang out with people. And, and that's all we would do was go riding around. And I, I got friends quickly, or, or what I thought was my <laughs> friends. And, I, you know, at, I had a perceived level of popularity. And so, like I mentioned, I thought I was invincible. And I was I was at a concert on the beach in Destin, Florida, and I was wearing shorts, flip flops, and a t-shirt, riding a motorcycle. I had a helmet on, so I had a little bit of wisdom. And I was driving home at night, and ended up getting into an accident with my friend actually, who was driving a motorcycle. It was at night, and we didn't see each other, and ended up crashing into each other. And it was almost like here we go again. I mean, I had so much road rash and just bandaged up and uh, me and him both got into the accident and we were roommates. And so both of us are now stuck, can't help each other. We needed help, needed our friends help. And that was such an eye-opening season for me because I remember coming out of the hospital 
and the next day texting friends and calling people and saying, hey, I just got in the accident last night and, you know, I need help and all these food services that deliver to you didn't exist at the time. Oh, yeah. And so I'm like, I need food, like I need support. And and no one came. <laughs> it was so eye-opening. Like people would text me back, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. I hope you get better or let me know when you get better. Wow. And it was such a shocking time in my life where it's mm -hmm. like, wait a second, this isn't supposed to be like this. I remember my first accident, my parents came to help. Yeah. And so I had support then. I, I saw what happened in Katrina where devastation happened, but yet people did come together as much as they could. And mm -hmm. I had family there then. And But now, you know, my family was kind of like, all right, this is your second accident. You're going to have to figure out some things. <laughs> You're on your own. Some things. <laughs> You're going to have to learn the hard way. But they were still there for me, you, you know, as they could. But when I started to depend on other people, they weren't there. Yeah. Like, I shouldn't be alone. And my roommate can't help me. He's in the same problems. <laughs> laid up to I am. Right. I could, I heard he was in as much pain as me. Yeah. And, and so again, I found myself in, in a similar situation, but different this time. Like I really felt alone. Like I really felt like, wait, like I have no one to turn to. Yeah. I, I don't know where to go this time. Y you know, I just, very an isolated feeling. And so I go from being popular with all these people and, and all these people knowing me, but yet now completely alone. That must have been a real wake up call for you when all the people you thought were your friends didn't come through for you. And your parents were trying to practice a little tough love and let you figure things out on your own. Where did that leave you? What'd you do next? That was the moment where I just remember laying on the couch in so much pain. I didn't want to move. I was in so much pain. I mean, the pain medicine wasn't even working. I was in that much pain because of the road rash. And uh, I remember thinking back, I grew up in church mm. and my parents took me to church several times during the week. But I remember just thinking, okay, I remember my parents helping me. I remember growing up in church. I, I need help. And so I remember opening up my Bible and just mm. reading for the first time and, and the first time in a long time, really, because I, I just thought I could do things my way. Mm -hmm. I, I thought that, okay, I trusted God a long time ago and I'm good now. And I didn't know that there was more. I just thought that it was, you trust God and you get into heaven and now you're good. That's what I thought. Now I know much different, but it was this journey that really began to show me, like, I don't have to be alone. So I remember getting a ride to a local church and showing up to this church in crutches. <laughs> and when you show up to church in crutches, you're going to get attention. Right. And so, you know, some people greeted me and I'll never forget this guy was sitting on the front row and he left his family and came and sat with me in the back. So I wouldn't be alone. Nice. He left his family on the front row to come sit with me during service in the back row. And kind of that was from your friends. <laughs> exactly. Like I was, I was shocked. This guy didn't know me, but yeah. we'd never met before. Uh, we didn't even look alike. I mean, he's completely different, older gentleman, you know, different skin color. I mean, we had nothing in common and he sat with me. Yeah. And I was so shocked. And I remember that week he, he, him and his family brought me food <sighs> uh, and cooked some amazing food, like home cooked food, not even like 
you know, McDonald's or fast food. Like, no, it was home cooked, great food. They would bring me food. He'd pick me up to, to bring me where I needed, even though he had a job. And I was so blown away. Hmm. Like, wait a second. Like, is this is what I was missing? Yeah. Like, this is kind of how things should have been. Cause I experienced it a little bit with my family, but it's family, you know, you right. kind of expect them to do it. Right? right. They love me. They have to help me. Exactly. <laughs> and and I, it was just so eye opening to me. I'm like, okay, yeah. what I was missing this entire time is I was trying to do it by myself. Mm-hmm. I thought I didn't need other people or need a community or I just thought I didn't need God. Mm-hmm. And it was a very eye opening moment for me. It was like, okay, there's more. And Mm -hmm. and I want what that more is. Yeah. Well, I love the way all that came together for you. You told me you were raised in a family that had great faith. You grew up in church. But even so, many kids that are raised in that kind of environment will still kind of wander off the path a little in an attempt to find their own way, their own independence. And sometimes the choices they make will have dire consequences. Fortunately for you, those roots of your faith were strong, and in your darkest moment of need, you remembered and turned to God, and that led you back to a place where you were being taken care of. That's great. So with all of these experiences behind you, can you share some of those big life lessons you learned that might help someone who's listening that might be in a similar situation? Yeah, and all of those crazy stories that I've been through, one of the things that I had a choice in every single one of them was how am I going to choose and respond to this? Yeah. And I, I remember just thinking, um, I'm not going to let what happened to me affect me. So even though I went through very difficult things, I made a choice. I'm not going to let this affect me. So I'm in a very hard, difficult situation, but I am still going to choose to have joy. Mm. Uh, I may be in a situation where I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. I didn't. I had no idea. There there were envelopes coming in the mail with red on them. You know, they weren't nice letters anymore. They were, hey, you got to pay these bills or we're coming for you. Yeah. And, and I, you have times in your life that it can really steal your peace really just take everything from you. But what I found in that season was God was with me and therefore his joy and peace was with me Mm -hmm. that I didn't have to do it alone, that there was actual hope. And when we have hope and we know that there is help available to us to get us through these difficult seasons. Now, this is what was important for me. These people that helped me, they couldn't change my situation. Right. My family, I still had to learn to walk again. There were still consequences. There was still a difficult season I had to walk through. But there was something available to me in that season that mm-hmm. I didn't know or I hadn't learned yet. And so I would just encourage people like, you know, God's presence is with you. And he desires to be with you, even though other people may not. That his love and joy and peace is available to us in spite of what we're going through. Yeah. Well, you told me that everything you had been through really helped you to realize your need for God and how you wanted to go deeper in your relationship with Him. And ultimately, you went to seminary and you became a pastor. That's night and day from where you were. And I imagine your parents are very proud of you and the man you've become. I know there are parents out there 
that are still waiting and praying for their kids to turn it around. What would you say to those parents based on your experience that might help them keep the faith? Yes, my parents tell me all the time. <laughs> We're happy at, at where you are. But it, it was difficult for them. I've talked to them about it personally, you know, and asked them questions. How was it yeah. for them in that season? And it was difficult. You, you know, there's no downplaying it. You know, no parent wants to see their child suffering and going through a difficult season. But I can share from my perspective that it was love that turned me around. That it wasn't discipline, that it wasn't rebukings or, you know, I've seen people quote the Bible and scripture and rules and different things to try to get people to act right. But it was love that turned me to God. It was Mm -hmm. the love of people. It was the love of my parents. It was receiving something that I knew I didn't deserve. Like I knew I didn't deserve people to help me. I had betrayed people and left people and tried to do it on my own. But it was their love that drew me to God, that yeah. drew me to other people. And so, you know, as a parent, as difficult as it is, especially parents and family, like we're called to love. Mm-hmm. Uh, as Christians, we are called to love. Jesus says to love God and love others. Right. And he makes it that simple, but it's that difficult at the <laughs> same time to love people in spite of their hurt. You know, I my mom t- told me a story one time. She goes, you were a very difficult child <laughs> when you were in your accidents because I was hurting. Mm-hmm. And I said things that were mean. I said things out of aggravation. I, I was mad that these bills are piling up and I couldn't control it. And so my parents even remember the harsh things that I said that I have, you know, asked forgiveness for. And we have a great relationship with my mom and dad and my entire family. But I did say things that I wish I wouldn't have said out of pain, out of hurt. And so, you know, for parents out there, your kids may say things that are hurtful, but loving them through it and allowing them to process their pain is is what's going to really draw and keep that relationship healthy in the future. Great advice. Well, your amazing story doesn't end there. In fact, it just keeps getting better. You eventually met and married your beautiful wife, Carmen, and were at that same time blessed by a new son, Daniel. Can you tell us a little bit about how that part of your life came to be? Yes. So now that you've got to hear, you know, my stories and my motorcycle accidents, the beautiful part about my wife and son now is my wife was previously married and and they had a son and her previous husband passed away in a motorcycle accident. And so, you know, I don't ride a motorcycle anymore for okay. those of you that want to know that my wife wouldn't let me even if I wanted to. But the beautiful part about that story is me and my wife didn't even know each other. We weren't even in the same areas when these things happened, but she walked with him through a very difficult season before he passed away. And so in in a very wild way, God has, you know, redeemed her life with her husband passing away. And she understands what I've been through mm-hmm. with my motorcycle accident and having to recover. And by the grace of God, I survived nothing that I could have done really to to survive those accidents. And so I'm very grateful for my life. And, and I, I use my life to encourage other people. And so God has allowed me to be in their life, to to be a dad to a, to a kid who didn't have a dad, mm-hmm. whose dad passed away. And we have a great relationship. 
she's been able to have a husband to be there to help her to, to raise him. And so we truly believe, you know, that Jesus has paid the price for us and that our life is redeemed and we've all been given a second chance to have a family together. And so we're super thankful, but it's crazy yeah. how God brings things together, even amongst our pain and brokenness. And so right. if you were to interview her, she would have told you she would have never dreamed that she would even have been remarried, that she could have never imagined what life would be like outside of you know what, what had happened. That truly is a beautiful story of redemption for all three of you. I love it. Robert, I know there's listeners out there that would love to learn more about your ministry and get a copy of your book. Can you tell us where to find that? Yeah. And so I've been thankful and been blessed to to share a lot of my testimonies. A lot of what I shared today was out of my first book, Past to Purpose, and I ended up writing a second book just about your journey that you're on now. And then I've recently, within the last few months, wrote a, a new book called Hidden Fruit about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, like how to actually have joy in a difficult season that God is with you, to actually how to have peace, even though your life doesn't seem to have any peace. And so that new book, you can get that at hiddenfruitbook.com on the website. It's also available on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, Google, all the major book distribution websites. Okay. And same thing for the other two books. You can get those on Amazon also. Okay, I'll put links in the show notes for those, and I can't wait to read Hidden Fruit. Any final thoughts you want to pass along before we close? Yeah, I just hope that people are encouraged. Mm -hmm. I really hope that they would hear, you know, what I've been through in my story and that they would leave hopeful, knowing that even though your situation may not be hopeful, even though you may not see a way out, that it's possible. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Robert, for your ministry, your books, and especially for agreeing to talk with me on the podcast today. You're welcome. It's a pleasure. So for those of you listening, I hope you heard the message of faith and perseverance in Robert's story. His parents had to watch him suffer the consequences of the decisions he was making, and it was a difficult time in their lives, but they kept the faith. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6 tells us to train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. I love those words. They have deep meaning for me as a mom. As parents, we plant those seeds, and we pray they will sprout and grow. At times it can be hard, but don't lose hope. It is my prayer that one day you too will have a story to tell that will help someone else who's struggling, like Robert did today. Thanks for listening.